Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. I've actually haven't recorded in like two months because I took a break. So you're the first one back. I'm super excited. So well, I am taking off the Airbnb King mantle and I'm handing it to this gentleman because he's 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 the new kid on the block taking over. Tristan, how are you, sir? <laughs> Doing great. Thank you for having me here. And I <laughs> sincerely appreciate that compliment, but I don't know if I'm ready for the crown just yet. <laughs> Fair enough. And when you get it, you might not even want it. So it's debatable. <laughs> it's debatable. So, man, you know, it's interesting, right? I think the reason I'm so excited to have you on is I think a lot of people are going to resonate. I think they're going to they're going to understand. I don't want to talk about Airbnb yet. I want to talk about, you know, who you were before you started managing a bunch of Airbnbs and, and talk about that person and where you came from and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, I'm. 35 years old. I'm originally from Massachusetts. Uh, I grew up there in uh, Western Mass, the Berkshires, small little town. And um, yeah, so grew up and uh, played lacrosse, which brought me to, uh, you know, my bigger goals of wanting to play collegiate lacrosse. So throughout school, you know, I was captain of the team and, and our team was so small, though, and we couldn't get big recognition from colleges. So I spent a year and a half at community college uh, going to recruiting camps and things like that. And finally, I um, got recruited by a handful of schools and, and picked Assumption University uh, to go and play lacrosse there. And um, that's basically what got me into, into the short-term rental world years later. Um, so from after college, I was just bartending, doing simple things, uh, trying to figure out where I wanted to go, grad school or law school and that sort of thing. Uh, so I narrowed it down to either going out to Boston or going to San Diego, where my brother and cousin were. So uh, I chose San Diego. I, it was just seemed like a <laughs> better option at the time. Uh, I mean, so the, the scary thing is you got out, though. Yeah, like, I feel like I feel like San Diego's a tractor beam and anybody that tries to leave, they just stay there. Yeah, I mean, the price has helped. The price, the price to live helped a lot. So I went out to San Diego in 2011. And again, I was just like bartending and, um, you know, being young and, and you know, doing whatever I wanted to do and, and enjoying life and going to the beach. And uh, I had a friend who was big into digital marketing, and he was a regular at the bar. And so he one day he was like, hey, man, if you ever get sick of, you know, getting people drunk and living in a bar, um, my company that I work for is hiring entry level support. And I was like, well, but like, what is it? And he's like, well, it's, it's like search engine optimization and digital marketing, like web development. Basically, you're just going to be taking phone calls and responding to emails from our clients. And I was like, all right, sure, I'll give it a, you know, I'll give it a try. Like I knew I had just met my well girlfriend, who's now my wife. And I knew like, I, I want to be a bartender all my life. So I knew that there was something bigger. I knew I wanted to do something better. Uh, so I said, all right, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give this a shot. So he literally, we sat down for like a couple beers and he's like, all right, so this is SEO and gave me like this 
elevator pitch, the most ridiculous training in SEO and digital marketing. I'm like, okay, I think I got it. My interview was the next morning. So I, I show up, sit down in this interview. They, they're they asking me all these like Google, if you've seen, um, uh, yes. I think the, the yeah. internship or the yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever that one is, I know what you're talking about. Where, yeah, yeah, Vince Vaughn and him go to Google. But they're asking me those questions. Like you're in a blender and the blade starts spinning. Like, how are you going to get out? I'm like, oh my God. So I go through this interview and get the job. <clears throat> so I started entry-level support. About a year and a half later, uh, I'm now senior account manager. I have like 65 SEO clients and and Google client, pay, 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 uh, pay-per-click clients. Uh, so yeah, I pretty much other than being a manager, maxed out at the company. So I fell in love with digital marketing. It What was so cool to me was that there was, at the time, there was no Harvard School of Google. Yeah. Yeah. There was no thing you could put on your wall that said, I'm the best. It was keeping up with what Google's doing. And they were changing 500 times a year and telling us about it once or twice. So it was this guessing game and, and following the, you know, the people who knew what they were talking about and who are in this world and checking out all the different blogs across the web about what's Google doing. And to me, that was cool because you could, anybody could be the best at it or very good at it and get huge results. You didn't need some diploma or, you know, training Mm. necessarily at some prestigious school. You can just read what the best are doing and kind of evolve from there. So uh, from that point, I bounced around to a couple of agencies, learned from some really, really good SEO people. And, uh, so that's when a few friends and I got together and we're like, Hey, you know, we've built a couple companies or help people build companies. Like we can totally do this. So there's four of us, our main sales guy, um, myself, who's the SEO and, and COO of the company now. And then we have our, uh, uh, cybersecurity and it guy. And then we had our money guy. So we came together and created a company, uh, called digital healthcare professionals. And we did turnkey websites for dentists and optometrists mostly. Uh, so from there, just at this point, I've been living in the digital marketing realm for almost a decade. I've done you know in-house for national pool building companies and uh, veteran-owned businesses and if anything from small to large. We I've worked on. So you know I continued to kind of do the digital marketing thing, and that's when. Um, Michael Shogren, who I went to college with, there's how it wraps all back to lacrosse. Mm-hmm. So Mike Shogren and I went to Assumption together and played lacrosse. And I had watched him in his journey from being a CPA to where he is now with all his, you know, short-term mm-hmm. rentals and hotel deals and all that stuff. So I decided like, oh, I, I saw he had a webinar. So I'm like, yeah, I'll hop in and at least I'll say what's up. And so hopped into his webinar and he was just talking about how to grow, you know, basically grow an Airbnb business or short-term rental business through co-hosting. So I got in there and realized it was basically the perfect world of hospitality, which I had lived in uh, before I got into tech and then Mm -hmm. digital marketing. So from there, I decided, yep, this is the business I want to get involved in. And and that was pretty much it. Is your agency still running? It is. Yeah, it is still running, um, still growing. We have 
11 full-time employees. And, and, how uh, much, and how much time do you put in that at a week currently? In the digital marketing, um, right now I'm putting in a little bit more. I'd say probably about 30, okay. 30 to 35 hours. Um, I'm just trying to establish some things so people are listening. What's interesting is, as you said, this is really interesting. I know you already know this, but as you said, you didn't need a degree. It was kind of like you could be the best if you work the best and you and you pay attention. Fast forward, same scenario in Airbnb. Right. Right. You don't it's need a degree. degree. It's kind of a like you really found the two sectors. You know, there's more, but you found two main sectors where it's really about your intention, right? And your learning ability, right? Yeah. And so 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 you you go to the webinar. Uh, did you join his course too? Yeah. So that night, I mean, I we went through it and was like, oh my God, I can totally do this. And so I went to my wife and I was like, look, got to spend this money, got to get into this course. You're going to have to trust me. She's like, you're nuts. Why are yeah. you biting off? I mean, because at the time I'm head coach because, of a lacrosse school or program. Well, and, not, and not to mention, this is the, this is the game, right? You didn't have a bad life. You're making money. The company's yeah. growing. It's not, it's not so much. So, 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 you, you know, we're here now. So, you know, hindsight being 2020 yeah but what was the thing that you told yourself that you were ready to make the commitment on something that was going to be big probably not as big as you thought but what was the real reason behind it so 100 percent, it was my fa- my why was providing generational wealth for my family and doing something that would change the lives of of everyone to come you know after me basically my grandfather did it um so my grandfather my father's side the italian side uh, he immigrated to America from Italy at the age of 13, didn't speak a lick of English. Um, he, when he landed basically in Ellis Island in New York, started working. I think he got, he went out to Boston and was doing like construction jobs. Anything that Italians mm-hmm. could get at that time uh, is basically what he was doing. And so he did construction. Meanwhile, he paid for English classes, which I think was like 35 bucks a month or something. Um, and he would get course material and exams and they would mail them in. And recently, um, some of the women on that side, my cousins now, uh, found a bunch of boxes of his old English tests and not a single test was under 98. And so he was learning English, building a construction business. And now that, that company called Unistress, um, is 150, $200 million company doing precast concrete and that's his the, company. Yeah. He, he died years ago, but he died. I never met him. He died uh, when my dad was younger. And then your dad took it over. My dad took it over. So I never Holy, met my grandfather. Wow. That's so, so amazing. I have, there's all these pictures. Uh, my wife got of uh, my grandfather in the early days of the company and we framed him and put him in my son's nursery. And so every day I'm reminded like the drive. So he, and then, you know, learning English as a construction worker, then he became a foreman and then he bought a wheelbarrow and a shovel and then a pickup and then a dump and then a tra- you know, loader. And, and he grew the business um, by himself really. And um, so that kind of, that entrepreneurial spirit was just, I mean, it's in my blood, but it just charged me up. Where, I mean, I couldn't imagine moving to anywhere, pick any country, Greece or or Spain. So I don't speak the language. So it's like moving to some random country and then building a huge business is just terrifying. 
So it's, it's really funny that you say that. And I, I've said this to people for almost two years and I will do it probably in three to four years. I haven't decided. So once we have the house and, and once I have my true podcast studio, like I already know what it's going to be, I'm going to create a show on, gener- on breaking uh, generational poverty, creating generational wealth and breaking generational addiction. Like it's so awesome. fascinating to me because everybody that I know that's doing it currently uh, like your grandfather, he didn't do it for himself. No, he, they did it for the people behind them, right? right? And that's so much power and much energy that takes to to think that far ahead. I told a 52 year old guy who just texted me again. I told I saw him a month ago at a workshop in Austin, and I said, "Hey, man, you're 52 years old. You're not making enough in your career because your sales are out here and your net profit is nothing. That's not okay." And he's like, "Until you pointed it out, I realized." And I said, "Look." I'm not saying you don't have 40 years left. That's not what I'm saying. But I was like, you've lived a lot of your life. And I said, so you have an opportunity where the only thing that matters right now is what you let your daughters believe. And dad's either going to chase his dreams or he's going to continue to be at a dead-end job. And he said, Austin, he texted me that this morning. He said, that spark, that one comment has changed everything for me. He's going into a new career where his 14-year-old daughter is being trained to be the CEO of the company that they're creating. Like, I just gave him 30 books for his daughter to read. Like, I'm like, she can report back to me in three years, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, do you mind if I read a couple of these two? <laughs> but, but what yeah. I'm saying is, is, is I really think that's, like you're saying, that spirit of what you're creating, right? Yeah, that's a company, but you, you have partners and it's a thing like this, this Airbnb thing is really something that can be the only reason I'm building my companies so that my kids can take it over if they will. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, doing the digital marketing thing, I knew when we first started that business, we all said, all right, guys, five years, and then we're going to sell it. We're all going to walk away with like 5 million bucks each. You know, that was like our our dream. All right. That's the mark. So here we are year six, we're all still going, you know, but we're, we're figuring out our ways. But I, so I knew that it wasn't going to be the end all thing for me. So here we are, December, 2020, uh, going into Mike's thing. And my wife and I had just welcomed our son into the world uh, on the 6th of December that year. So I have a newborn, it's the heart of COVID, you know, like, all the doctors that we employ that are our clients are canceling or pausing service because their doors are shut. Uh, you know, we have a ton of people in California, California shut down. Um, a lot of our clients are all over the country and just being a medical office, they're shut down. So we didn't know what was going to happen. And I'm like, all right, I know this company is going to be successful. That's not what I'm worried about. And I was getting, you know, that was technically my W2, but I knew like, okay, my son, Like, this is one thing, but I need to do something else. I got to figure out another side hustle. And that's when I kind of came into this. So that was my biggest why was like, I got to figure out another hustle here. So you take the course, you're in his group. Talk to me about the first co-hosting deal you got. And moreover, before we do that, everybody has a different, what is your definition of a co-host? So mine is I manage the property for investors. I take everything... Uh, off their plate. The only thing they need to do is answer a question or two here and there if I have one uh, every month. But for the most part, it's just, here's our property, Tristan, do your thing. I go in. And minus what it costs for the course, how much money did it cost you to get your first client? Uh, 
I think the answer is probably zero. Yeah, it is zero. Yeah. Cause I, so the very first thing I did while I was going through his course was, all right, I don't know beans about this industry. Well, what do I know? Well, I know how to build websites. I know how to build a business. So I built my website. I spent like three weeks building the website, building out content um, and working on that and just trying to get as much out there online as I possibly could. And so I launched my website right in the beginning of January. And my first co-host deal came through the website uh, from Google. And it was a four bed, two bath, about 2000 square feet in Scottsdale. Still one of my top performing properties, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was that was basically the. the so you go to the so so I'm sure they reached out to you. You responded, and then so did you go walk the property with the investor? Um, I did not. They were in. They're from Santa Monica, and okay. so she was like, "Yeah, we're you know we just bought the house. Uh, it's a new flip." Um, we want to do short-term rentals and then we want to come stay there, you know, throughout the year. Right now they come at like Thanksgiving, Christmas, that sort of thing. And so she was like, you know, I told her what we did, kind of fumbled through the whole pitch. Yeah. That's, um, what, I was, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> that's what I was wondering. I'm wondering if you're oh, just like God. sweating bullets over there, like, what is going on right yeah. now? Yeah. Well, what about cleaning? Uh, what about, uh, yeah, I have someone that cleans it. I'm Googling, you know, cleaners and stuff. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so eventually they're like, I apparently said something they like, so they're like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Let's move forward. So I send them the agreement. What did you charge them? Uh, 25%. 25%. 25%. Um, did they ask about if you had history or you had done other properties? Did they ask about that? No, uh, they did. And they said, uh, have you ever done this before? And I said, no, this would be my first property. Um, but that means that your property is going to be my baby. And so I will do everything I possibly can to make sure that your property, my new little baby, is going to be successful. And so they like that. So That's I went and walked the property and I was blown away. It was so nice. I couldn't believe it. Um, I was so yeah. excited. And I learned a lot because it was completely empty. They're like, well, what about like furniture? I'm like, no worries. We can do furniture. So my mother was an interior designer for 35 years. So I call her up, oh, I got this deal. I need your help. Uh, like we got to do this whole design thing. She's like, okay, no problem. So she had the Wayfair professional account from her previous work and stuff. So we go room by room, give her all the dimensions and pictures of all the rooms that are empty. And she just goes to town uh, and designing everything. The hardest part about, I think, growing my business and using her as a designer early was teaching her how to use Excel. I think that was the, that was like the biggest struggle I've had in my whole business. It took me like two and a half weeks. I had to call timeout on business to did, help her. Did, did, did she, I don't know, you know, what her old career entailed, but did she understand the concept of like, I need it nice, but I need it functional. Like it's not going to be lived in. Did she understand that? That's, that, been, that's been my number one thing with, with designers too. That took a lot. Cause I'm like, all right, it's, it's got to look nice, but it's got to be super functional Build it for like, as if you were building like a really, really nice, like college living space. Like okay. yeah. people who it needs to be rugged, but it needs to look nice. She's like, got it. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, once I got it, so basically she would, she had all the products like spinning in her head, but I needed her to put them on a spreadsheet so I could give that to Wayfair so they could build an order. 
So once I got that, it was, it was pretty seamless. But the very first order I did at that house, I did not do consolidated shipping. And boy, did I learn. So 20, it takes 20 to 25 minutes to get to the house. Get in, I'd get in a text on my phone. Uh, your Wayfair order has been delivered. So I go down there. The whole driveway is just full, like full of boxes. So I'm like, all right, great. So I spend like 45 minutes to an hour, like dragging pallets. I don't know how I moved half these things. Dragging pallets in the garage so that I could get handymen down there to help me build it. Get it all in the garage, sweating bullets. All right, time to go home. Get home, crack a beer, sit on the couch. Phone goes off. Another Wayfair delivery. Back in the car, back down to the property. Driveway's full again. I do. I'm, I must have driven like 5,000 miles just trying to set this place up. So that was like the biggest lesson I ever learned. I was like, this Did you, is- And you didn't, you didn't pay for them to put it together for you too? Yeah, so then I had to get the handyman, the the uh, owner covered the cost. So it ended up being like six grand in handyman in my services to get everything built out. Little did I know later on on build outs that Wayfair with like the consolidated and the building was like 3,500 bucks. And it's like nothing that I have to do. So that was the biggest lesson I learned. Oh my! I so I still have PTSD with dressers. Um, Oh, I couldn't tell you the amount of floors I've slept on with a mattress on the floor, surrounded by boxes. Like there's like literally like PTSD. Like you know, and it's just like it doesn't. It's really odd, and I, I want you to comment on this. It doesn't matter how many handyman you have; it still feels like it takes forever. Like oh my God, it now, now great, you know, D and Garrett and Grant, you know, they yeah. came and I flew them out and they put together a property in 24 hours. Now that was the, I said, I said, what do you need? You want pizza? I'll take you on a moonlight ride. Like that was the greatest day of my life. Cause I just came in and, you know, did a couple of things and designed the last. And I was like, I wish people understood that that's, that's what you need to do. Like I put together probably 75 properties I bought 200 beds, 500 TVs. Like you do that a couple of times and, and you're pretty much done for the rest of your life. Like it's, yeah, like I can't even move myself anymore. <laughs> the mountain of cardboard is just astronomical when you do these things. And yeah, I mean, I learned. And so for anyone listening, if you have had that problem, it's called a receiving warehouse. I learned that. Okay. <laughs> so when you Explain Google it, that is down, yeah. In your town, Google receiving warehouse. It's a place that you can ship boxes and furniture. They will receive it. They will unpackage it and they will build it and then store it for a fee. So it's basically what their consolidated consolidated shipping does. But so here in Scottsdale, there's a place called Kid Glove and they do. I called them, looked it up and I was like, hey, so we're building out a rental um, can you basically receive all the furniture and build it and store it? Oh, yeah, that's exactly what we do. So it's like a couple hundred bucks for building something or a couple things. And then it's like 15, 16 cents per square foot per day to store it. But if you do like the consolidated shipping and it all arrives roughly around the same time, I mean, your costs can be set. You know, and, they then can, they, and then they'll come and deliver it to the house. Too. Yeah, like a move, they'll load it up a new moving truck with all the Dream blankets boat. and everything wrapped in plastic and move it on in. And like, I, they literally yelled at me for trying to help. Like, so that was that was perfect. That's what I wanted. They're like, no, 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 you just point to where everything goes. We will take it from here. I'm like, all right. 
The only thing they don't do uh, was put stuff like hold. They won't put holes in the wall, so they won't okay. hang stuff. They won't. I was okay. like, cool. Just put the art on the floor where it goes, and I'll have the handyman come in. Perfect. So that was the biggest lesson I learned there. But yeah, receiving warehouse. They're in. Ev- they're everywhere. You just got to guys. I, guys, I'm telling you right now. And just so we're clear, I've been doing this seven years. I didn't know that. So you just taught me something. So that <laughs> is go. that is gold right there. Yeah. Like oh. I kind of timed it perfectly. That's how we did it. And, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But that, you know, and to be honest with you, now that you told me that I'm gonna go buy a warehouse for that exact reason and create a business around it, because that's that's a dream. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, these guys just if they love it. I talked to a bunch of the guys that were they're like, dude, we just hang out in the AC and just build furniture. Like it's, and, you know, shoot the shit and that's what they do. And then another whole team moves it all in. Like it's, it's so a great. pretty well. When, when, when my life changed and kind of mainly for me was I stayed with a, a buddy of mine who's a financial advisor and he manages a ton of money and we were in Tahoe and there was a golf course with like 70 houses that was run by a management company with the full, you know, amenities, two-story gym, like pool. And we were leaving, we were leaving and a truck pulled in and they removed the beds and the couches. And I'm like, dude, what the f- what's going on? And he was like, oh, well, we own the house with three other families and that's our couch and bed. And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, yeah, so we own the house, three families own the house. We have this amount of time we can use it. And then it's rented out on Airbnb the rest of the time. Airbnb guests have their own furniture. We have our own furniture. And the other two families have their own furniture. Oh, my so God. So when you're at the house, you only stay on your furniture and nobody else stays on it. And I'm like, wow. I'm wow. like, yes, please. So if you're an investor and you want a property, let's say Canyon Lake, which is the lake here between Austin and San Antonio, you're going to spend you know, 600 a million bucks. Why wouldn't you go buy that property with four other dudes? Then you get another property in Arizona or Sedona. Then you get another property in Tennessee. Now you get to enjoy three properties and make money on three different markets. And, you know, like that's kind of where the fractional ownership is where I'm going to go. You know, we're, you know, I want to do like entrepreneurship houses and stuff, but that really opened my eyes about yeah. creating that other level of experience for the guest and really knowing that you're not worried if the guest is going to destroy that furniture because that's the Airbnb. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. I, I guess it makes sense in the right house, the right market. Um, and then if they have the moving company pretty much set up with, you know, the price, probably just a couple grand to switch it out. I love it. So you get the furniture done and then talk to me about your first booking. When you got your first booking, how did that feel? Really good. And actually, um, what I didn't realize, which is now why the house is is doing so well, is the property is uh, less than a mile from the Jewish Community Center. I did not realize that because we were having, I would say, like 90% of our guests are Jewish and they, you know, can't use cars on on, um, Sabbath. So they walk to service. So they have to be close. So, so literally I, we launched the property in July and which is the slowest time of the year. It's 120 degrees. No one wants to be here. We were full July, August, September, because it was all Jewish families traveling here because they wanted to take vacation, but then they stayed there 
because they had to go to service on, on, you know, whatever, uh, Friday night, I think. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, that was it. So they were here like the whole week or a couple weeks. So it actually, the first few bookings, I was like, wow, this is awesome. We're getting all these great bookings. And, um, so I started to learn a little bit more about who our guests were. So then we started to try and cater a little more to their families and, and keeping things there for the kids and, and, you know, all that sort of thing. And, yeah the why of the property man you got to find out the why you know you got to check with the guest i always like to ask like hey you know what are you doing here and, and what we found out in san antonio is you know it's military city and every weekend i had a military graduation yeah so wow. like you know you kind of find out you do a couple of special things for reasons why and i'd be a little more lenient because they only get to see their son like twice a year, you know, like, you know, you're just like that little extra touch. So you got the one it's booking. Talk us to through your like second, third, fourth co-hosting. Where did those come from? Yeah. So um, the second one was uh, another one that came through the website. So this was another beautiful house. It was only about a mile and a half from the first one. And it was another flip another process of design. And basically after we'd come up with the room by room design, I had this girl who worked for my digital marketing company who was really good with graphic design stuff. I would have her superimpose the furniture into each room. So we could, I could basically put a slide deck together for the owners so they could approve it. So we got that process down a little better, went through Wayfair again. This time I did the consolidated shipping which was more helpful, but it was still because of COVID, like uh, it took forever to get this place up, up and live. Um, but we we got it going and uh, it was a very beautiful property, but it was uh, it was a little smaller. So we couldn't quite hold you know, the same amount of people, but the owners were great. They live in Colorado. So they were very chill and, um, we got that one up around the holidays because they started using them. I think we had one or two guests in there before 2021 because they were there at the end for Thanksgiving. That's about when we launched. And then I think, yeah, one guest in the beginning of December and then they came in for Christmas. So that was a really good one. Uh, the third one's funny. So the third one at the, the very first property Presidio is what we call it. Um, it has a flat roof. So like a lot of, not a lot, but a good amount of houses out in Arizona and kind of the Southwest feel have the kind of ranch style flat roof. So this was my first experience with a flat roof. Well, summertime, July, August, September here in Arizona, because of the extreme heat, we get monsoons, which for anyone who doesn't know what a monsoon is, basically it's like a tornado or a hurricane that hit in about five, 10, 15 minutes, and then it's gone. So it's a super powerful storm, drops a ton of rain, ton of mayhem, and then it's gone. So we had apparently in the flip, the roofing company didn't do a great job. So this property had a ton of leaks from the roof. So this one family, really nice family from New Jersey was staying there. And it, it, we had monsoons every day of their stay for like 10 days. And so actually part of the dining room ceiling caved in and was literally hanging down 
in the dining room where they were trying to eat their meals. So it was pretty much the, and this was two months after I had really launched it. So I'm like, I've had six or seven guests maybe so far, no issues. And then pow, this hits. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. You know, I'm just apologizing. What can I do? Can I buy you dinner? We're going to get it fixed. And so I just did everything I could. I think I gave them a, a partial refund for any issues that, you know, came up because of that. So they were so impressed with how everything went that they were, they reached out to me about two weeks after their stay. And they were like, hey, we want to buy a place out in Arizona and do this ourselves. And I was like, perfect. Hooked them up with my real estate agent. They bought a property and that was my third co-host deal. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So how many do you currently have right now? Uh, We have uh, 22 live and I'm launching another three unit today. So for 25 and then I have uh, four more in the pipeline that are going to be going live here in the next month. So the question is, is that first question is, did you think it would scale to this? I mean, like, yeah. You probably knew you wanted to grow up big, but like this much success this early, like, has it surprised you even? Yeah, it has. Um, I mean, I've seen the power of good websites and the power of like good marketing and what it can do for small business. When I was in San Diego, um, I start. I wanted to create a nonprofit for helping veteran owned businesses grow and help any people that get out of the service basically start a business. Um, I wasn't able to serve. I went from, you know, my goal was to play college lacrosse. And by the time I did that, uh, I got out, I started coaching, kind of got thrown into life. Um, But I always had such a passion for the military. I loved it and I wanted to help. So I got into um, helping people in San Diego and saw how quickly their businesses could grow with the right process. So I knew that if I, you know, made the right website, created the right funnels, I was going to get leads. It's just a matter of time. So I knew it would grow. I didn't think it would probably grow this fast. Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew that I would be getting leads. It was going to be coming. It would come down to me to close them. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was kind of crazy and it was really, not until I started diving into mindset stuff, um, which is when the floodgates really, really opened. And, and what do you mean by that? Like diving into personal development or like mindset books? Yeah, pretty much all of it. I mean, I as a high school coach, so I, I've coached high school lacrosse uh, since, since I got to, well, before San Diego, pr- pr- pretty much for about 15 years now. I've been coaching... Uh, lacrosse. And so because of coaching, I've always, I feel like I've always been pretty positive. I mean, you know, you always have to kind of look at what you need to do and not, you know, don't do this or don't throw the ball away. Don't drop the ball. You know, you have to always say like, carry the ball here and throw it once you've made a good decision, whatever, you know, you always got to tell them what to do. So I was pretty positive, but Mike uh, Shogren had always talked a, a lot about the mindset and, you know, his mindset, how it's changed over the years and different books that he's read. So, um, you know, principles that are spoken about by, you know, Napoleon Hill um, and Think and Grow Rich and things like that. And, and basically, like, 
becoming the person that you are in your basically in your goals or the person who achieves your goals like that's the person you need to become to really get to the next level so it was a little personal development stuff and really just kind of shifting the mindset from like okay i'm just beginning to know i am providing the best service in arizona and people are going to want to work with me um so yeah i mean i i kind of studied more under mike he created a, a different mindset course that i got into and that really opened my eyes to i mean stuff that you hear about and stuff that people talk about and religions no matter what it is talk about and it, it's just these universal laws that i was just unfamiliar to really and just kind of focused in on that stuff and and it helped a lot. It helped me better understand who I was, who I wanted to be, the types of uh, the types of decisions that I was making that made my business grow faster mm -hmm. and just really getting around good people. I love it. And what was through where you are now, what was easier than you saw before you started? Um, what was easier? I would say it, the more open-minded that I was, the easier things got, no matter what it was. Dealing with guests, doing build-outs. There's so many people in this industry, really in any industry, that are so skilled, so knowledgeable, and so generous with information that you're an idiot if you don't seek out these people and study these people and just throw your hands up and go, fuck it. I can't do it. Like there's so many people out there who've made huge successes who have just, just want to give back. And so to me, that was the biggest thing, like following the people who've had huge success in this industry, listening to their podcasts, reaching out, asking questions, or going to events where these people are and actually meeting them and learning from them. And, and that made my life so much easier because even if I didn't learn it while they were talking up on stage, you know, I could reach out to them like, hey, you talked about this, but I missed this part or um, I'm having this sort of issue. What would you how would you handle this? This is what I was thinking. And they're like, yeah, do that. But you also keep this in mind. So I thought it was going to be a lot harder, but I leaned on the knowledge of others, which made it a lot easier for me because there's just. There's so many different things, property issues, guest issues, owner issues, and it's hard to juggle everything when you're so fresh to a new industry. So just leaning on other people made it so much easier. I love that. And what was harder than you thought before you got started? I think organizing everything, um, creating the systems, organizing the systems. There's so many moving pieces and to this day, even I'm still like, oh man, I got to create another system around this or that. And here I am, you know, a year and a half later, uh, trying to figure out, you know, different ways to make things work better, more efficiently, uh, cheaper. So, yeah, I mean, everything in all the different properties, I think that's the biggest issue. Some have private pools, some have public pools. Um, some need, you have a key, some, you have a fob to get in, like keeping track of that stuff. Did a guest take it home? Uh, this house has all these trees that need trimming constantly, like keeping everything in order for each property 
uh, was definitely the biggest challenge. And then making sure that everything was always perfect for guests with more and more properties, you know, having to have things dialed in. Cause again, monsoon comes through. I just dealt with this the other day, a monsoon, or we had a storm come in the other morning and just swirl around Glendale where you have a property and wrecked most of the backyard. And a guest showed up two hours later and it was like wrecked and we had just been there and it was perfect. So you multiply that by how much you're scaling and it's just issues like that. So really dialing in systems was, that was the hardest part. SOPs. I love it. So one more question before we get out of here, what does your team currently look like at 22 current properties with more coming? Like who, who's on your team? How do you get help? What do they do? What kind of, how many people? Yeah. So I'm the, I'm the main guy that obviously handles uh, all the owner stuff closing leads, sales, that sort of thing. Um, I have two VAs, one's full-time, one's part-time. So I have seven-day coverage. They handle all the guest stuff and inquiries that come in. If maintenance needs to be be getting done, they reach out to the handyman or the cleaning service and make sure all that stuff gets tied up. Um, And then I have a bookkeeping service that does all the books. Um, and then I just have the Rolodex. So those are the main people on my team that I pay regularly, uh, every single month. And then the other people are just in my Rolodex, the, you know, 911 handyman and plumbers, electricians, pool people, all that. So they're all in my tight Rolodex. The next people that I'm going to be adding, I'm going to be adding one or two more VAs in the next two months. And then probably one person to start learning boots on the ground underneath me to start to take it over so I can get myself out of the day to day. I love that. And if people want to check out the website or they want to follow you on social media, how would they do that? Yeah. So um, for the property management side, the website is Sojourn AZ. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N-A-Z.com. Sojourn Properties is my company that manages uh, out here in Arizona. And then um, any of the SEO stuff, I launched another website, seo4str.com, seo4str.com. And I'm going to be doing some trainings to teach people more things that they can do to help grow their businesses by utilizing Google and, and designing their websites accordingly. I love it. Well, man, I'm so impressed about what you've created in a short amount of time. And now that I got to meet you a little more, even more impressed. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing, man. I love it. And guys, this was a power packed episode. Uh, I'm actually going to throw it in the Facebook group right after this, because I think people need to listen to this and get inspired. Uh, But if you got some value from this, send it to a friend and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on -on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.